Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Are Scary, the podcast that celebrates people of color writing in horror. Why horror, you might ask? For me, it's always been about resilience. Horror stories are brave new worlds where anything is possible and anyone can triumph. I'm your host, Wimoto. I'm also the founder of Dusky Projects, a group of misfits that create horror and sci-fi works. We here at Dusky Projects are all about carving out spaces for adventure, imagination, and celebration while facing the monsters together. For this month's episode, we will be showcasing yet another short story from the vampire noir anthology, Slay, published by Mocha Memoirs Press. So let's lean in and listen to Till Death by Lynette S. Hogg The Call Amandi Jekasai woke with a start. Light from the ever-burning candles in the sconce above her bed danced upon the walls of the rectory she called home. Bella, her pit bull, and Brom, her Pomeranian, slept peacefully, curled into each other at the foot of her bed. She could hear the grandfather clock's methodical tick-tock, the pendulum's steady swing, the cadence of time. It was 10 p.m. Rain pelted the small, high windows intermittently, illuminated by lightning. Distant thunder clapped. Time to get up. Tonight, I have a client. In his voicemail message, the client sounded shook and handsome. Hi. Uh, my name is Talon Teasdale. I live in the village of Hillrose. My wife, Marisol, is a vampire, I think. But you might know better. Uh, please call me. Please. 212-900-0441. Amandi was listed in the phone book and with 311 simply as vampire assassin. She got prank calls, mostly, but from time to time a desperate, sincere soul would seek her services. Someone like Talon. Amandi rose, without disturbing the honey-colored hellhounds at her feet, and made her way to the bathroom, showered methodically, shampooing her natural hair, soaping and rinsing her dark mocha skin. She toweled off, then moisturized her skin and hair, pulling a wide tooth comb through the thick curls. She lined her eyes and tinted her lips. Just a touch of makeup to look professional. She affixed a small gold cross in each ear and hung the coordinating necklace around her neck. She pulled on a black cat suit with hidden pockets 
hammer loops on each leg, and a black tactical military belt. To complete the outfit, a bright pink raincoat, matching rain hat, and black running shoes. A dusty wooden box stood by the front door. Her personal vampire killing kit, the VKK. She placed it on the bed and went through its contents for good measure. Each item had its own space and was in its place. One large axe and three smaller ones, extra sharp, a pink glock, safety on, extra bullets, a policeman's flashlight, extra batteries, three vials of holy water, extra consecrated, and a Bible. Thunder clapped and lightning flashed as she put her hand on the door. Bella and Brom, hearing the soft touch on the doorknob, sprang off the bed, tails wagging, and ran toward her. Bella knocked the VKK from Amandi's grip and sent it flying, contents scattering. That's a bad omen, she thought as she knelt to gather the contents. She tried to shake off the feeling of disquiet that came over her. Bad omen. Bella, Amandi scolded. Devil take it, look what you've done. Thank the stars the pink lock had the safety on. Bella licked at her face and Amandi gently brushed her away until every piece of the VKK was back in its place and the box locked tight. Oh, I can't stay mad at you, Amandi said when she was done. She scratched Bella behind her ears. This little mishap must be a sign. Get your leash, and you too, Bram. You're coming with. The VKK in one hand leashed dogs in the other. Amandi opened the rectory door and stepped out into the storm. The Client A tall, white man in a trench stood outside her office as she approached, hauling the VKK and trailing two eager dogs. Shit, he's early. Mr. Casey, please let me help you. He reached for the VKK. Bella gave a low warning growl and Bram yipped. Maybe not. He put his hands back in his pockets. Tail and Teasdale, Amandi guessed. Nice to meet you. She unlocked the security gate, then the door to her office, while wrangling the case and the dogs. Once inside, she flipped on the lights, stood the VKK by the door, and let the dogs loose. Come into my office where it's dry, and let's talk. Office was a loose term, describing what was little more than a safe place to meet potential clients. It was located on the west side of the city, in a blighted and primarily African-American part of town. The rent was dirt cheap, and the landlord had a don't-ask policy with the tenants, and the tenants a don't-tell policy with the landlord and each other. No one bothered to investigate what kind of business she ran, or why she only met clients at night dressed in a hot pink raincoat and black catsuit. The office was outfitted with a desk, scattered with old files and gum wrappers, 
two chairs, an old couch, a bright overhead light, and a coat rack. It smelled of stale smoke and alcohol. Amandi hung her raincoat and hat on a rack by the door. She turned to Talon and took his trench and umbrella. Free from their coats, each took a quick measure of the other under the single overhead light. Talon was at least six feet tall, dark-haired, green-eyed. His dimples showed at the slightest upturn of his lush lips. He wore dark jeans that hugged runner's thighs, a lavender button-down, and gray vest that enhanced his slim waist. His hand was soft against Amandi's when she took it. He smelled of expensive cologne. She guessed he was somewhere between 30 and 35 years old. Talon saw a proportionate fit, firm breast, and round muscular bottom all enhanced by her body-hugging catsuit. What a knockout. A vampire killer dressed to kill. Amandi caught him staring at the gold cross necklace resting above the curve of her breast. He stared at the two round scars, slightly higher than her collarbone. Her hand went to her throat, and she touched the scars while Talon continued to stare. I'm a survivor. She motioned to a chair in front of her desk, and Talon took a seat. Amandi sat in front of him on the edge of the desk and crossed her ankles. You were bitten by a vampire and survived? Yes, just days after my 18th birthday. What happened? I chased down the evil bloodsucker and killed him. That's what happened. (laughs) Amandi laughed and somehow found a pack of gum on her disaster area desk. You want a piece of juicy fruit? Uh, no, thanks. Uh, Trying to cut down. Suit yourself? Did you complete the task we discussed on our phone call? Yes. Talon reached into his pocket and took out a neatly folded square and handed it to Amandi. I meticulously tracked her movements and wrote down everything she does every second for three nights. It never varied. Amandi took the neat square and turned it over in her hands before she opened it. Do you know when she was bitten, or who did it? I only know Marisol went to visit some friends and family in Pennsylvania a few weeks back. All right, I noticed she had a strange cough when she called me, but I didn't think anything of it. When Marisol got home... She had no appetite. Her skin was clammy to the touch, her eyes sunken. She slept all day for days. I I thought it was the flu, but when I found her floating above the bed, still as death, our bedroom black and cold as a tomb, I- His voice caught in his throat, and tears sprang to his eyes. I found you. He looked at Amandi imploring. I adore her. She's my first love. You're a vampire assassin, but do you have to kill her? Isn't there another way? 
Amandi studied the floor. A wave of compassion came over her as she watched Talon's emotional struggle. Though she did not believe in love for herself, true love enhanced the world. True love was greater than any harbinger of evil, including vampires. She didn't want to tell this handsome stranger a lie. She hated lying. But she didn't want to lead him on, either. I'll just sugarcoat the truth a little. That all depends on what we learn when we find her. So, you'll help me? Talon rose from the chair, breathless and relieved. My pleasure, so to speak. Amandi extended her hand to seal the deal. Now, about my fee. The Chase Amandi closed the desk drawer containing Talon's payment with her hip, locked it, and placed the key in one of the hidden pockets on her catsuit. Aren't you afraid someone will break in here and steal that money? Talon asked. It's a risk I'm willing to take, and a small one, considering my profession. I guess. Talon shrugged his shoulders. Do you want to come with me? Amandi asked as she put on her pink raincoat and hat. The dogs immediately ran to her with their leashes, wagging their tails in time. Not you two hellhounds. <laughs> she laughed. Talon. I-, I planned on showing you where she was, then leaving. Talon looked at his shoes. In retrospect, that seems cowardly. I married her till death. And if it comes to that, I should be there. Seated in Amandi's old blue Mustang in the driving rain, two dogs panting in the back seat, Talon immediately regretted his decision. Wet dog and stale cigarette smoke. I could be in my new Range Rover right now. Amandi sat behind the steering wheel, examining Talon's detailed list of Marisol's movements with a flashlight. She bit her lower lip as she concentrated. She sleeps in the garage in a makeshift casket every night. Her focus will be getting to the casket before sunrise. It's the best place for an ambush, she said, after what felt like an eternity to Talon. Ambush? Going to try to kill her without trying to save her? Talon wailed. Amandi gave a long sigh, turned the key in the ignition, put the car in drive, and pulled out onto the street. Sugarcoat the truth. I mean, she won't be expecting us, that's all. Anyway, can you have a conversation with her? Does she talk? Amandi asked, hoping to shift Talon's focus away from the brutal looming death of his first love. I I haven't tried since I saw her floating above the bed, but she spoke some time before that. Well, what was the conversation like? She responded to a few simple questions. Then she asked to kiss me, but more like kiss of death me. Hmm. I see. Well, maybe 
The love you share will overcome her loyalty to the head vampire, and we can find out who bit her. Promise to try. Promise to try before you stake her or burn her or whatever awful thing it planned to do to kill her. Amandi didn't know which she hated more. Lying or breaking a promise. The feeling of compassion for Talon's situation returned. Destroying true love was like killing the last dodo bird on purpose in its cage. I promise, she said after a long hesitation. But in her heart, she knew circumstance would dictate the outcome. She reached down and pressed play on the CD player to calm her nerves. Seal's clear baritone filled the car. Kiss from a rose played over the sound of the tires on the pavement. Tires rolling their way to the village of Hillrose and a young vampire wife's uncertain fate. An hour or so later, Amandi pulled onto the long driveway of Talon and Marisol's massive white Tudor house. The driveway split the enormous lawn into two perfect halves. She stopped the car and turned off the engine in front of the house. Wow, Talon, nice. There's a second entrance to the garage at the back. If we park here, she won't see the car. Can I help you carry that huge box? The one the hellhounds wouldn't let me touch when I met you? Don't mind them. The pit and palm have bigger fish to fry once the hunt is on. They love all humans after they get to know them, that is. Anyway, I usually get geared up from my car. It's safer. I try not to enter the lair of the vampire uninvited. It's my house, too. Talon mumbled under his breath. Amandi exited the car and opened the trunk where the VKK awaited. Thankfully, the rain had subsided. She took off the pink hat and raincoat and draped them on the spoiler of the car. Talon stood anxiously beside her as she opened the VKK. The light from the trunk illuminated the contents. Methodically, Amandi hung the axes from the hammer loops on her catsuit secured the extra bullets and holy water in the tactical belt. Finally, she took the safety off the pink lock and slid the gun into her belt. I pray that every god in heaven and every devil in hell forgive me. It's just so hot right now. I can't believe you're here to kill my wife. You mean, try to talk to your wife, don't you? Amandi said. Yes. <clears throat> Yes. Yes. If that's possible. I need you to take these. She shoved a Bible, small axe, and vial of holy water into his hands. Throw the holy water in her eyes and hold up the Bible. If they don't keep her at bay, use the axe. Where will you be? Right beside you. Amandi went to the passenger side of the car and unleashed the honey hellhounds. They bounded out of the car and ran to the front door of the house. Just then, bright lights flooded the area. They lit up the windows of the front room, illuminated Talon and Amandi and most of the front yard. Shit, she's in the house, Talon screamed. She's not supposed to be here. Amandi turned in time to see a shadowy figure in the window. 
lit by the security lights moving towards the door. She froze, remembering the moments before she confronted the head vampire that bit her. Panic threatened to overtake her. She took a deep breath and blew out the air through pursed lips. I can do this. She whistled for the pit in the palm. Bella and Brahm ran to her side. Talon, are there motion lights on the outside of the garage, too? They're broken. I haven't gotten around. Don't apologize. Run to the garage! The Confrontation Talon took off in the direction of the garage. Amandi and the honey hellhounds on his heels. There's a hedge... There's a huge hedgerow across... From the garage, he shouted back, breathlessly. Let's hide there. Panting behind the hedgerow at last, dogs by her side and tail and white as a sheet of paper, Amandi asked, Did we run a mile? Something like that. You get used to the distance. Amandi turned to look at the garage and assess the situation. The three-car garage was bigger than the rectory where she lived. Marisol will be here any minute. We don't want to hide here with our backsides unprotected. We should get into the garage fast. Okay, Talon said as he fumbled for the keys. There's a side door. Bram started turning in circles and barking. Shh, Bram, Amandi scolded. She's close, Talon, hurry. They ran to the side door while Talon nervously tried to unlock it. Amandi scanned the yard with her flashlight. Suddenly... She caught a glimpse of a pink raincoat floating in their direction. Taylor. Taylor. Marisol called in a sing-song voice. Where are you? Don't you want to live forever? Talon froze. Talon, unlock the door, Amandi said in a harsh whisper. I'm trying. Can't you see that? continued her taunting sing-song. Her voice was high and eerie. It stabbed at the eardrums like a saber. Bella gave a low, long, deep growl. Forget the door, Talon. Turn around! Amandi shouted. Her flashlight illuminated a figure standing ten feet in front of them, holding a pink raincoat out at arm's length. Marisol taunted as she slowly ripped the pink coat in half. Who is she? 
Amandi stood, feet shoulder-width apart, pink glock aimed squarely between Marisol's eyes. Amandi took a deep breath and blew out the air through pursed lips. Talon slowly raised the Bible and held it out in front of him. Marisol hissed and raised her clawed hands for the pounce. Her long, blonde hair was matted, her skin was gray and pockmarked. Her breath stank and her pale blue nightgown was ripped and stained with blood. Talk, Talon, or I'm ending it right now, Amandi said. Mari, <clears throat> Talon started. Mari saw fluid and shit. Shaking, Talon threw the holy water in her eyes. She gave an unholy screech as three shots rang out. Talon saw three black holes appear between her eyes and she collapsed on the ground. Talon slumped against the garage door. End this nightmare. Please. Amandi put her foot on Marisol's chest and brought the great axe down on her neck, severing the head. The Conclusion Talon Teasdale woke with a start. Light from the ever-burning candles in the sconce danced on the walls of the rectory. Bella and Brahm slept peacefully, curled into each other by the front door. He could hear the methodical tick-tock of a grandfather clock, the steady swing of its pendulum, the cadence of the march of time. 10 a.m. Sun shone through the small, high windows. Good morning, sleepyhead. You had a rough night. Amandi? Yeah. yeah. The alluring voice sounded miles away, shrouded in a cloud. Talon lifted himself up and sat on the edge of the bed. Amandi stood in front of him, and she smiled. What now? He said, rubbing the sleep from his eyes and stretching. I've got dogs to walk, if you want to come with me. That sounds terrific. Thanks so much for joining us. Till Death was written by Lynette S. Hogue and performed by Kennedy Allen. Sound design was brought to you by the creative mind of Bailey Trierweiler of Uptown Works. Director and co-producer is the incredible Hinedis Garcia. And then there's me, your humble host, Wimoto Nyoka. If you'd like to support our podcast, you can make a tax-deductible donation at the link provided on our page. You can also support with a rate or review or by dropping by our monthly macabre mixer. Our episodes air the last Friday of every month, and we continue the festivities the following week with our online mixer, where we showcase new authors and new scary stories. Till next time.